So uh, not too long ago, I met a guy who worked in uh, financial markets, and he explained to me that his business was that he had the, the latest and greatest, the fastest, the hottest technology, and it allowed him to take advantage of fractional differences in currency exchange rates, and he would, he would make thousands and thousands of trades uh, every second. So he's buying and selling uh, thousands of times every second to take advantage of just a tiny little fraction in, in uh, currency rates. And he said, so consequently, he goes, I don't care if the market goes up or down. I simply want volatility. That's what I'm after. He goes, I'm after disruption. He goes, if I can get disruption, then I can make money. Well, in light of that, uh, I'm not certain I can make money, but uh, if disruption and volatility are the goal, I had a good week. So, um, <laughs> got lots of emails and texts and phone calls and comments, and so some people really thankful for the sermons and the, the topic and, and the direction. Others uh, perhaps would not use those same words to describe their responses. So, uh, uh, for the record, I don't pay a lot of attention to my polling numbers. Uh, I, I am aware, and my wife repeatedly reminds me, I'm not running for homecoming king. So I just, I just sort of say what I need to say. Uh, that said, I, I'd, be, I'd be foolish if I told you I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. So if you feel motivated after this uh, series to send me an email... And it's a fun email, a happy email you want to encourage me. Send it to me. If you have another kind of email to send, send it to Brad. Send it to Siler or Anson or Dan, uh, Aaron, Allison. I don't care. Uh, just send it somewhere else. So, so far in this series, I have made five points. I have said, for starters, that relationships are critical. We were created for them. We need them. Good relationships with God and other people. They can pull us up. No relationships, bad relationships, relationship with people that pull us down, all of that is trouble. This matters more than we might think. Secondly, uh, I said sin has made a mess of this. The default response is that relationships break down. They have to be maintained. You have to make investments. You have to make sacrifices. In Disney movies, the prince and princess go off into the horizon and live happily ever after. They've found their soulmate. It's going to be easy. That's not your life. That's not life in a broken world. So relationships are hard. Third, I've said whatever else anyone or whatever anyone else means by marriage, and there's lots of ideas and models out there. Whatever anyone else might mean, God has something very specific in mind. Marriage was his idea. It's not an institution founded in the Bronze Age to manage property rights. It is based on the covenant relationship that, that God has with us. And we enter into a relationship in which we take on responsibility, not limit it. And we sign up to love others unconditionally, to put their needs ahead of our own. And uh, we both, husband and wife, get to play the Jesus role in this. We both get to sacrifice and serve the other. Uh, I also said that when it comes to relationships, the goal is not so much to find the right person, it's to become the right person. If you're single and you want to be married, and you don't have to be, 
Being single is a perfectly God-ordained option, and it's the one Paul prefers, and Jesus was single. But if you're single and you want to be married, then your goal is to become the kind of person the person you're looking for is looking for. Right? If you're single and you want to be married, then your goal is to become the kind of person the person you're looking for is looking for. Work on that. If you're married, then your responsibility is not to change your spouse. It's to become the kind of person that they can love and trust and respect. Right? We need to work on our own stuff. That When you go to the Bible for relationship advice, you get directed to work on your own stuff, not to try and change people. Now, I said other things. <clears throat> I have said, this will be the third week in a row, that, that Sherry's in my marriage is not perfect, and I've not been a perfect husband, and I'm not standing here from that platform. Secondly, I've said, we really need to follow God's counsel, right? God is for you. God is God. He knows best. In relationships, we're often a little compromised in our judgment. And so some guidelines from a loving, all-knowing God are things we should take very seriously. Specifically, I said, sex outside of marriage is a bad idea, right? It's not that God is against sex. He's actually for it. It's his idea, but it is a fragile fire, and it needs to be protected. I also said that living together is a very understandable response in a world that has a 50% divorce rate. However, Studies show that it doesn't work, and I argued that uh, you don't really get a test drive of marriage because until you take away uh, the back door, right, until you lean all in, you don't really understand what it's like to be committed 100% to somebody. So uh, I finally, I, I have said, look, we all have made mistakes on this front. We've all done stupid things. We've hurt the very people we love the most. We've got relational baggage. Every one of us has got relational baggage. We can bring that baggage to Jesus. We can be forgiven. That's the good news. That's the promise that we get. Now, we may have dug a pretty deep hole at this point, and it may take a while to get out of that hole. But we can be forgiven right away, and we can start moving our way out of the hole. So today what I want to do is I want to share the three pieces of advice that I find myself as a pastor offering the most often. I'm not a therapist. I don't play a therapist on TV. Nobody comes to me for, for marital advice twice. So... <laughs> I just want to be really clear about this. I am a pastor. I look at things through that perspective. Uh, but I do get involved. Uh, I do get involved offering relationship advice and counseling to couples. And so uh, this is my, this is, this is the, my, my uh, bag of tricks, right? This is my perspective. After 40 years of being a Christ follower, after 30 two years of marriage, after 30-some years of being a pastor, I thought, you know, th these are the things that I find myself going back to the most often. So I'm going to share those three things. First, the best thing that you can do for your spouse, for your kids, if you're, if you're young, for your parents, for your friends, the best thing that you can do is to love God. The best thing you can do is to pursue God more. 
Because to the extent that you do, lots of good things will happen. So uh, let me just, let me, let me mention two reasons why I say this. So uh, I, I was, I, I heard a lecture in a, in a counseling class. I'm sure this was not uh, American Psychiatry Association DSM Volume 5 wording, but I heard somebody describe marriage, marriage problems as saying, that's the two ticks, no dog problem, okay? So if you got one tick and one dog, the tick is happy, it's found a host, right? It, it's got somebody to suck blood out of, to suck life out of. The dog is probably oblivious, okay? So it's okay. You got two ticks and no dog, then it doesn't work because you got two ticks trying to make withdrawals, no one to make withdrawals from. Some marriages can be described (laughs) as two ticks, no dog. Both are trying to make withdrawals from the other. And and this just wouldn't be marriage. You could describe friendships this way. You could describe parent-child relationships this way. Both looking to take more than they are giving. And when that happens, bad things happen. So, I just want to say, and this, this sounds simplistic, uh, it is, but I think it's the sim- simple on the other side of complexity. I think it's profound. If you can learn to keep your tank full because of a relationship with God, then you can give when you need to give rather than always take. So... Um, I've gone back to this passage numerous times over the last couple of years. It's sort of the one that I, I'm, I'm the most arrested by. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's describing David uh, in a bad moment. So David, before he becomes king, sort of is a mercenary. He's, he's got a band of strong guys, and they go out, and, and they're for hire to other kings. And uh, sort of like the French Foreign Legion, right? Guys sign up to work with David, and they go out, and they go on raids. And one day they go on a raid. And when they come back to their camp, they discover someone's raided their camp, taken away their families. Their wives and children have been kidnapped. This is a bad day. The, 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 the guys, the strong guys, to some extent the bad guys that David is leading, look to turn on David. They're all frustrated. David is devastated himself. He's lost his family. And it says there in 1 Samuel 30, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he's able, after that, to sort of turn the situation around. And he's able to bring some leadership and some hope and some perspective to, uh, to this group. And they go out, he rallies them, they go out, and they, they're able to, to, without anyone being hurt, they recapture all their, their families. So I just want to say, this skill of learning how to encourage yourself in God is critical. Right? To the extent that you do this, right, that you keep your tank full, then you move in the direction of, of what is described as the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. That, that, that you can be patient, you can be kind, you don't have to win. Right? So, so you want to learn how to lean into God who has infinite resources to give, who can encourage us so that we're not in a deficit looking to take and we've got the ability to give. 
So a second reason that I think this is so critical to, to, to pursue God is because in relationships with those we're closest to, uh, a couple things often happen. One, they're the people we hurt, right? It's sort of just one of the ironies and tragedies. The people you love the most are probably the people you hurt the most. Secondly, you also have uh, the fact that they may be the ones that are pointing out your flaws, okay? Because they're the ones that are suffering, and maybe no one else sees it or no one else cares. So just as a rule, if you have power or money, then you should expect that the only person that is likely to tell you the truth about yourself is someone you're related to, because they can't get away from you. Everyone else can. They just keep you at arm's length. You've got power. You've got money. They're not going to tell you that you're being a jerk. So what I see in many situations, again, I, this is not a trained therapeutic eye, but what I see in many situations is not marriage problems. What I see is sin problems playing out in marriages. I see self-centeredness. I, 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 see, uh, I see sin that people are actually fighting against, but it happens to be the way they're fighting against it is that, that it's being forced upon their spouse or their kids or their parents or whoever. So here's the reason you want to be in a relationship with God. Because you've got a chance, a fighting chance in that setting that you will be convicted by the Holy Spirit as opposed to nagged by your spouse. So last week, Sherry and I had a, uh, what I'm going to just term for the sermon, a marital discussion. Okay? So sometimes marriage is fun and easy. Other times, fun and easy are not the words you would use to describe uh, marriage. So we had one of those, it was not a fun and easy time. So she was frustrated with something that I did. I was frustrated that she was frustrated. You know, so you, you've been there. So uh, it flares up for uh, about two minutes, and then we both sort of back away. And uh, it, was, it was pretty late. So uh, neither one of us wanted to do a whole lot more. And, and Paul tells us we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. So there's, there's a little bit of playing nice and trying to say, okay, you know, let's... So, fast forward, uh, early the next morning, my sort of spiritual practices, I try and do them early, and uh, I am not a minute and a half into a prayer time before, and I won't say that this was the, the specific word that I heard from the Holy Spirit, but it was the way I felt from the Holy Spirit, and that word would be idiot. Like, okay, this was on you, Mike. This was your, this is all you. Your response was the wrong one. And it was just clear to me that that was what was going on. So later, I apologized to Sherry. She had sort of a creative solution for how we could go forward on this issue. And on we go. So my point is not, <laughs> my point is not. Uh, the pastor and his wife had a fight. The pastor and his wife had a fight. Did you hear that? Yes, the pastor and his wife have fights, right? Yes, I don't know what world you live in. We live in a real world. There are disagreements. My point is not that. My point is, while I'm dense enough to have caused the problem, because I'm trying diligently, not perfectly, but diligently to seek God, I put myself in a situation where 
the Holy Spirit said, this is on you, right? You need to apologize. You need to be the one because this is on you. That's a huge advantage, right? That's a huge advantage to have God molding and shaping you. So point number one, love God, pursue God, right? This, this gives you energy to manage the times when your friends, your spouse, your kids are going to be unreasonable. They're going to make demands. They're going to have a bad day. They're going to need to take if you are keeping your tank full, you can give in those situations. And uh, then you also put yourself in a situation where you don't require your spouse, son, daughter, parents, whoever, to nag. <laughs> because you're getting that from God. You're getting that input from God. Point number two. This series is called We Are Family. I said that uh, there are some discussions that take place sort of behind closed doors. There are family discussions that take place at the, at the table. So I'm going I'm to share something that I would put in that category simply because what I'm going to say is so politically incorrect. So um, I have specific advice that I give when women come in to see me and are frustrated with their husbands and it's different than the specific advice I give to husbands when they come in to see me and are frustrated with their wives. So I usually always start these conversations by saying, look, I think, just for the record, I think men and women are equal. I think men and women are a lot alike. But I do think gender matters. And I, am, I, I just say, so here is something born out of my understanding of 1 Peter 3 and Ephesians 5 and other things that I would say specifically to you. So if it's, a, if, if it's a wife that is frustrated with her husband, I say, here's the deal. You've probably figured this out, but he still hasn't admitted it to you. So I'll just confirm that uh, behind the self-confidence, behind the swagger, behind the, behind the game face, is fear. Men live in a world that is more hierarchical than you probably see and experience. And it starts from the time they're little. So we can just look. This isn't Christian stuff. This is just sociological observations. You look at the games little boys play and you compare them to the games little girls play and they're different. So little boys tend to have lots of friends. No one's a best friend. They rove with a whole bunch of people. They play games in which they're seldom looking at each other uh, they play games which have winners and losers, and they spend a lot of time fighting over who's winning and who's losing. If they're better than the other little boy, right, their baseball glove is newer, they're faster, uh, they say, my dad can beat up your dad, I got this, you know, whatever it is, they're looking for any competitive advantage. And, uh, and, and so that's the world little boys grow up in. Little girls tend to have fewer friends, but they have best friends. They play games that, were, that have them looking at each other face to face. 100% of the sounds little girls make are words or attempts at words. Boys, you got to factor in gunfire, bombs, monster trucks, all that. Uh, so girls are, are talking to each other. They tend not to play games that have winners and losers. And to the extent that they fight, they fight over who's, who's best friend. So it's just a different world. It's a world that is more relational and horizontal. If a little girl is better at something, 
chances are she's going to downplay that because getting along is more important than getting ahead. In a guy's world, getting ahead is how this plays out. If you show weakness on the playground, you get creamed. So you don't want to show weakness. That's what you grow up learning. You don't want to show weakness. So that's not great in relationships. But it means that men are often, if they're not fighting to be first, they're fighting not to be last. And they may not have even recognized that or articulated that. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, the advice that Peter gives to wives, he says, wives, honor and respect your husbands. And then later he says, husbands, love your wives. Now, this does not mean that wives do not need honor and respect. It does not mean that, that, uh, that husbands don't need love. It just means there is a difference. And so what I say to wives is I go, look, when, I, when I'm with a group of guys, what I'm likely to hear them say is, it's never enough. It doesn't matter what I do. It's never enough. I'm trying so hard. I'm working. I'm doing all this. I'm trying to do everything. But I always fumble something. It's never enough. I said, so affirm the effort. (laughs) Affirm the effort. Because chances are he's trying harder than you think he is. So any opportunity to affirm his competence, his worth, would be greatly appreciated and would help. Then, the counsel that I give to, uh, to men about wives is I say, look, um, what Peter says to husbands in 1 Peter 3, 7 is, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And in an understanding way refers to, in a way, informed by God. So the New Testament is written in a culture that does not value women. They're not considered to be equal to men. The Bible says they are, and you see this throughout. And, and so Peter will say, in 1 Peter 3, he will say, uh, you need to treat her as a joint heir of the grace of life. So she, as your equal, <laughs> you need to treat her as your equal before God, as a joint heir of the grace of life. And there's even a threat attached to that. He says, if you don't, your prayers will not be answered. So he's, he's saying, you need to live with her in an understanding way, not in a cultural way. You need to value and honor her. And then he says, and this is why this gets part of the reason why this is so politically incorrect, because he says, as with a weaker vessel. So 35 years ago, and when I was in grad school, I wrote a paper on this. And so that, at that time, you're heavy into Greek and syntax and grammar. And so I wrote this 20-page paper trying to figure this out. And I went back and read it this week. And, and there was a couple things that jumped out. One is that it's clear when you go to the Greek that this word weaker is not a negative term. It, it, weaker is a negative term in English. It's not a negative term in the Greek. It's, it's a different term. And so what I said in that paper was, uh, you need to live with your wives with the understanding that she is more emotionally in tune, and that can uh, slow her down, right? If you care more, that can, that can cause heartache, and you're going to have to understand that. Uh, so that's what I said 30 years ago. I, I now look at it, and I, I'm not certain that I would say that again. I think I'm more inclined today to say that's true, and that's part of it, but a bigger part of it is just physically, uh, most men are stronger than most women. And while that doesn't really matter today, there's not a whole lot of things that most of us do where it pays to be stronger. 
it certainly mattered 2,000 years ago. It was a much different culture. And so there, so all of that, I put, I put what Peter says, and I go to Ephesians 5, and I go to some other places, and I say, look, here's my counsel to you. I get that you're trying hard. Try harder. And you need to be the one to suffer first and to suffer most. Whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. But that seems to be the responsibility. Think think like Christ in this situation. You need to be the one to suffer first and to suffer most. And, And to the extent that you do that, I think there is a way forward. Point number three. Seek God Specifically, wives, affirm your husbands. Husbands, suffer first, suffer most. Third, in relationships and beyond, you often win by losing. So this is just a basic relationship 101 kind of principle. If they want to go get pizza and you want to go get Italian food, go get pizza, right? I mean, it it could be that simple, right? What do they want? They want to see this movie as opposed to that movie. Go to that movie and and be happy that they're going to be happy, right? It's just a relationship 101 principle. Now, I I need to call a timeout because part of the emails that I got over the course of this last week was saying I've not done enough to, to highlight the fact that there are people who are uh, abusive in relationships. And if you try to be kind to an abuser, you get abused even more. So, so I want to say, as I said, week one and sort of reiterated week two, uh, abuse is never okay. We need to be in relationships with other people so that others can help us know when something is out of line, out of bounds. The challenge today is most of you are not married to an abuser. You're married to a sinner. Uh, as you are all, as, as are they, right? I mean, we're sinners, and, and there's a lot of inflation in terms of language today. So there's microaggressions and you know, all kinds of things now count as abuse. So I want to take all that away and say, yes, I know you're married to a sinner. They are as well. I'm not talking about that. Abuse is never okay, but you're married to a sinner. Let them win where you can. And this is not just a relationship principle. This is a profound spiritual principle. <laughs> and we see it on play in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, this passage in which we get some of the highest, most significant uh, descriptions of Jesus. And where we also uh, are given what is perhaps the oldest hymn we have. Uh, we believe that Paul, he was writing from, uh, he was in Philippi, he was writing to the Philippians. Paul just took a chorus, a hymn that was being sung in the church gatherings, and he put it into his letter. And we study this a lot of different times. You've got to see what it is. It's relationship advice. That's how it starts, Philippians 2.5. Paul says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. In other words, act this way. Okay, act this way as Jesus acted, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So who Jesus was God before the creation of everything. He was God before the incarnation. When he added humanity to deity, he was only God in heaven. 
Jesus was fully God, equal to God the Father in heaven. All the rights and glory and honor in heaven were his. However, he emptied himself. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be clutched, a thing to be seized, a thing to be held on to. He emptied himself. We don't fully get this. The nature of God is beyond us. But somehow he puts some of the attributes that he has in some sort of blind trust. And all the glory that should have been his, he sets that aside in order to become one of us. And not just one of us, not just a person, but a slave. And not just a slave, but a slave that goes to his death. And not just death, but death on a cross. So Jesus, here's the relationship of advice. Jesus should have been up here. He comes all the way down here. And then, says, therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that was above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will confess, heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So have this attitude. Do this, right? Though this is what you deserve, This is what your rights are. Follow Jesus in going and serving, and then God will exalt you. Not tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know how that plays out. But it's not just relationship advice, but God exalted Christ because he served. And I think this is great (laughs) relationship advice. So, number one, pursue God. Fill up your tank with God so you've got stuff to give and and you can hear from God how you can get better. Number two, wives, honor and affirm your husbands. Husbands, right, be the first to suffer and, and suffer the most where relationship friction happens. And then understand in relationships and with God You win often by losing, by letting the other person win, by serving. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we we thank you, as always, for your word and insight and, and advice about how to live and love and how to be better people. We want to be better people. We want to be better friends. We want to be better spouses. We want to be better neighbors. We want to be better parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters. We want to be better. So, Spirit of God, help us understand and respond uh, in ways that allow that to happen. Convict us. Help us see ourselves more clearly. Help us become better people. Um, I pray... Heavenly Father, that uh, there would be hope, not discouragement, in this room today, and that we would understand that we can bring our relational baggage and mistakes and sin to you and be forgiven. Um, Guide and bless and protect our relationships. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.